0: For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive.
2: Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Jennifer Wetzel. She is founder of Lady Jane Branding. We're going to talk to her about cannabis. We're going to talk about branding. We're going to talk about how companies are approaching the whole brand development, brand strategy, fascinating topic. I think that developing brands in cannabis is hugely important as this industry grows, as we get new consumers, new segments of audience, of customers, of people using cannabis and participating in the cannabis economy. So I'm excited for this. I think there's a lot of interesting and um, dynamic things going on in this world in, in terms of branding and cannabis. So I'm excited to have this. With that, Jennifer, welcome to the program.
3: Thank you so much, Bruce. Thanks for having me.
2: Yeah. So let's understand kind of your background. Like How did you get into cannabis? Everyone's got a story. I would love to hear how you got into cannabis, how you developed professionally, and how you've been able to integrate the two at this point.
3: Sure. So just like everybody else, I do have a cannabis story. And mine is a uh, personal growth and healing story, I guess you would call it. So mm-hmm. I had an autoimmune disease, an immune disorder, and then I had a really bad year that left me with PTSD. And a combination of cannabis and a lot of therapy and some brain retraining allowed me to heal all of those things. And mm-hmm. while I was doing that, part of my healing was creating. Like I needed to have a creative outlet. And that was launching this business. Yeah. So all of those things together were what allowed me to heal. And fortunately I have, I now have a business yeah. to run.
2: <laughs> and that's <laughs> a little I, side product.
3: <laughs> yeah. So I can help give back to all the people who helped me heal. Yeah. So, you know, I had a lot of caregivers and other patients who gave me advice and help to allow me to, um, to heal myself. And so a lot of those were entrepreneurs. And I saw that there was a lack of a background in branding and marketing and advertising because they're growers and they're doing their thing. And I realized that my expertise could help them. And so I took my background, which is in, I moved around a lot. So I've got experience in retail merchandising, PR on a military base, Marketing, advertising, branding, consumer research, strategy. So all sorts of different things, experiential marketing. And I took all of those pieces and that helped me create some shortcuts. That entrepreneurs can use, especially ones who don't have a big budget for an agency or a brand strategist.
2: Yeah, yeah, and that's it's it's hard. I think a lot of people don't, and I think a lot of people really don't understand branding to begin with. So that's hard. Uh, but even if they do understanding understand branding at some level, you know, figuring out how do I develop a brand, how do I kind of design or select or unearth the brand that's in my company can be a challenge. Talk to us a little bit about how you work with entrepreneurs with business leaders to to get to their brand. What is the process? That you go through.
3: I have made it so easy for you. <laughs> <laughs> so I use a concept called archetypes uh-huh. in my branding and archetypes are universal characters. They exist in our collective unconscious. If you believe, you know, a lot of the philosophers and psychologists yeah. and archetypes are characters that we would recognize in any story. So you go to the movies, you see a hero and an outlaw and a lover on the screen mm-hmm. and you can immediately picture in your mind what those characters are all about. What do they value? What are their personality traits? You know, you just know. Yeah. And so I developed 16 of those characters specifically for the cannabis industry, like an activist, a stoner, mm-hmm. a rock star, a hippie, a farmer, all kinds of different ones with the idea that if your brand understands your archetype, then you use those universal characteristics, the values, the personality, and you use that to create a brand identity. And then you can personify that brand and really understand what your brand is all about. So for example, if you are an activist brand, you know, you are, you're all about action and advocacy, you know, and, Mm -hmm. You then use those themes to help develop messaging so that your brand remains consistent. And you can use this to also help with your visual design. So basically, I took these archetypes and I made made it into a multiple choice quiz. I made it as easy as possible for people and fun. So you take the quiz, you figure out your archetype, and then I have built all of this content to help you understand what to do with that archetype. So once you know your archetype story, then you can go into this model that I have built where I've provided you with eight different emotional themes from which you can write your messaging. Mm -hmm. And then I have four look and feel categories so that I can help you design your visual identity. So I provide color palette examples, fonts, visuals, all kinds of different materials that you can use, but ones that are specific to your archetype. So if you're an activist, your theme is action. Your look and feel is rough and earthy. And those are very different than what you would imagine a rock star might be. Mm. You know, their theme is a little bit more about status and power and their look and feel might be luxurious and refined, you know, and then there's the eternal child. There are brands out there that are all about fun and joy, and those are colorful, you know, so I'm basically giving you a blueprint for your brand to create your identity. And then the very the most important thing is to stay consistent. So when you do all of your marketing and advertising, once you know what your yeah. brand identity is, you can check everything against it and make sure that it fits. So if you're an activist and you have an agency who brings you something that looks like an, an eternal child would say it or do it, it doesn't fit and it will confuse people. Yeah. So it's really a, a guideline for people to understand their
2: brand. Yeah, no, I love it. I, I, originally, I was trained as an architect, and I, I love anything to do with kind of structure and systems and patterns I I, I geek out on. <laughs> and, and I like the idea, I, I think the idea of archetype, I, I always, you know, refer to kind of the Joseph Campbell and yep. even Star Wars and stuff. I mean, they all use these, you know, fundamental uh, archetypes, you know, and, and stories and plots and structures. And, you know, you can tell the story a thousand different ways, but it's still the underlying subtext. I, I think yes. it's fascinating that you can take that same idea and apply it to, to brands and particularly yep. brands and a category i guess how did did you come up with them and was this uh you know doing lots of research was it conversational did you you know develop them over time discover them through working with clients how did you come up with these archetypes
3: great question so you know there are 12 typical archetypes that are used in branding and there was a book written about it i don't know 15 years ago and i used those when i was doing branding exercises for big companies when i worked in an agency sure but, you know, I saw for cannabis that the market was full of doctor looking brands and stoner looking brands, and there wasn't a whole lot of other stuff. Mm, yeah. And so I thought I need to provide people other directions to go because they're just not thinking about what other directions can I take these brands? And so coming up with those 16 took me, it took me months and months of, of research and therapy. Yeah. <laughs> I actually did it. This is kind of interesting, but I, I did with a therapist, this modality called internal family systems and it's all about identifying the parts in your mind, you uh-huh. know, so this part wants to do this, but this part wants to do the other. Uh-huh. Well, those are kind of archetypes a little bit. Yeah. So that helped inform you what I was doing. And then when I was spending time at my caregiver's house and I met all of these entrepreneurs, I met them like I met a magician, I met a hippie, I met a healer, and I could identify each of these people. And so that actually helped me solidify my choices in terms of who yeah. the 16 were going to be. I, I named a I don't know 10 different times. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, so it was it was uh but it was doing it was also my therapy.
2: Yeah, no, I so. could see that, that the that the process being not only You know, a good system to use for the work that you do, but actually a a therapeutic process for yourself as well. Yep. You know, when you work with a client, or when a company is kind of figuring out how to, you know, use these archetypes, is this is this something that it's they kind of are who they are? It's in their DNA, and you kind of discover it, or is it something that you choose and it's a conscious choice to say, well, look, I'm like I think being this archetype would be more strategically beneficial. How does this process work, or how does how does it how do you choose or find the archetype for for a given company?
3: It depends on the client and it depends on their objective. I have had clients who are, you know, entrepreneurs and they are the brand. And yeah. so we get in there and we get them on paper and it is their brand identity. Yeah. You know, I had a family, there was four of them and they all had very, very uh, definitive personalities, each of them. And I made them all take the quiz and they all got different answers. Yeah. I made them take the quiz together as a family and their quiz didn't make any sense because they took turns on the answers.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Randomly <laughs> choosing who's going to answer. Yeah. And how do you do that? So if you've got a, if you've Got a leadership structure there that has, you know, different archetypes. Is this a, is it a negotiation process? Is it a battle royale? You just put it in and see who wins? What's it depends. The, it's, yeah.
3: it, it takes a little bit of therapy and, yeah. <laughs> you know, intervention tactics. But I'll tell you that in this case, I got out my book of archetypes and I said, okay, based on everything that I've heard you say, this is the one I think that you are. Mm-hmm. And they all look at it and they're like, yeah, that's it. Yeah. So they were able to solidify their concept of their brand because up until then, they all had their own idea and they all were doing different things. Now they have a central idea and they can all focus on that one brand and make sure that everything is consistent.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. It's kind of a curated, guided yeah. process that you, it's almost like a midwife. <laughs> you're, kind of, yeah. you're there helping it. I mean, it's going to do what it's going to do, but you can kind of but guide it. A brand little.
3: identity. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. And talk to me. So once you, once you identify your archetype, I mean, I, I, I'm curious, or I guess at some level, I assume that there's, there's still work to be done. I mean, I'm, yes. I'm I don't look at the world and, and see all the same things, right? Like there's still kind of a unique fingerprint that gets developed through this process. Tell me about how you go from this kind of generalized archetype down to the specific kind of, you know manifestation of that particular brand for that company and and how does that process work?
3: The next step after the the quiz, I take clients through a, a detailed question and answer interview where we're going deeper into their mission and their vision and their values and their personality and they're defining everything and they're, you know, we're, we're revealing how they're going to act as a brand. And we write all that down. That is their creative brief. And so then they can take that to any designer they want, particularly if they have a free one Mm -hmm. or to an agency, or I can send them to, you know, any of the freelancers in my network and then they get whatever it is they need, a logo, a website, anything. Mm -hmm. So basically I am the, the brand discovery, the brand definition, and then the visuals get made. So we send them off with that creative brief and, and they're able to get whatever they need. And then I'm available for coaching. So I can step in and talk to a designer and say, nope, that doesn't fit.
2: Sure. Yeah. So you can kind of guide the process. Yep. But, uh, interesting. And, and give us um, give us a couple of maybe your favorite archetypes or ones that we wouldn't expect or ones that are you know most interesting given the cannabis space. Give us some examples of these.
3: One of my favorites is the magician because I don't see it very often. Mm. And this one is a little bit based on the magician you'd find in tarot. So it's all about you know manifesting things and... Mm-hmm. Having a little bit of secrecy. And I had a client whose brand, they were a scientist brand and they came to me and you know, I see a lot, a lot, a lot of scientist brands. I actually have data from the the quizzes mm-hmm. where I can show you the distribution of archetypes from everyone I've surveyed so far. Lots and lots of scientists.
2: Interesting.
3: Um magician's not so much. So I talked, you know, we went through the process and I guided her and said, I suggest maybe we move towards magician. And she took that and has done some amazing things. And it really just breathed a little life into the brand.
2: Yeah, So that that. that one's
3: really fun. Eternal Child is another one of my favorites because that's where you can just play with color and joy and and it's one of my most favorite.
2: Yeah, and when you go to manifest this into a particular, you know, product outcome, you know, whether it's a website or a, a print piece or collateral of various sorts, like what are the things that? that you're actually kind of specifying or, or that you're guiding using the brand strategy. Is this you mentioned look and feel. I mean do you get into like copy and tone and you know language and stuff like that. What's that what's that look like?
3: Yes, we do part of the inspiration that I that I give brands is not just a visual inspiration, but also messaging inspiration. So I've I've been categorizing words into archetypes and emotional themes so that if your theme is introspection, then I'll give you a full list of words to think about like mindful And, you know, meditation and things that will inspire you to write copy that is consistent with your brand. You know, so if if we're talking about action, those words are very different, you know, and so that way, anybody who's writing about the brand can use similar words and feelings.
2: Yeah. yeah I could see that like uh, otherwise you get a little schizophrenic you yep. be a brand you know it's kind of writing all over the place you know people don't, are not sure exactly how to
3: exactly. how
2: to address it or how to how to understand what the brand is about yeah good um and give us an example some of the clients you've worked with. I mean you mentioned some of the you know either specific or general categories what what are some of the interesting applications of this that you've you've been able to partner with clients and, and, and create good work product what are what are some areas that this has been applied
3: it actually works for anything anywhere um, and I've been focused focused Mostly on cannabis, so I've had cultivators who are putting brands out into the market, retailers, ancillary businesses, a couple of advertising agencies, grow equipment. Gosh, it pretty much it's, yeah. it spans it spans the the industry. The um, I'm actually putting together some online classes so that I can expand and help yeah. other. You know, this doesn't just work for cannabis, um, yeah, exactly. but I only have so much time. Yeah. So, <laughs> well,
2: you got to focus. You got to you got to pick something to right. focus on. So. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in terms of the other work you're doing in the industry at this point, so, you know, you've developed the archetypes, you're working with companies on the brand side. How else are you involved in the industry or what else are you doing to kind of do the work that you like to do with? people in the cannabis space?
3: So I've got two other projects. One is I'm building this this online curriculum called Brand Camp. The first class that I have is, it's like a, a Coursera type class mm-hmm. with quizzes and a, and a test at the end even. But this class is called Sell Joy. And the point is to teach brands how to write messaging that will not get them in trouble with the FDA. Just last week, week before, the FDA sent letters to 15 CBD companies. Mm-hmm. And so I built a, a database, a tool for brands to to use, to go in and look at every single one of those letters and see exactly where they got in trouble and why. And
2: and so, where and where do people get in trouble? I mean, explain like why why is the FDA sending out these letters? What what is the what are the things that they're they're catching people on?
3: Well, it's it's illegal to make health claims in your advertising. So if you've got a CBD product that's talking about pain relief or curing someone's cancer, that is going to alert the FDA. And so I think twenty two companies so far this year have received yeah. letters from the FDA. And right now the letters, I mean, you just have fifteen days, I think, to fix everything and send a letter back saying that you've done that, but there are penalties involved if you don't do that. So I teach people in this class what the rules are, what a health claim looks like, how-to words you're not supposed to use so that you don't get yourself in trouble. And then I give you some guidelines on how to kind of skirt that a little bit. But then the whole point is to teach people how to use emotional messaging instead using those themes that I was talking about earlier, action and Mm -hmm. introspection and guidance. Because if you talk about joy in your messaging you know, you might get a little placebo effect and people are going to be happy about your product. But if you talk about curing their cancer, yeah. you're selling hope and you're going to disappoint some people when yeah. you don't cure their cancer. Yeah. So how about we go the other way yeah. we sell joy <laughs> yeah. instead? And if you help them, great. They'll go tell their friends.
2: Yeah. And what is, give us, give us a little insight. What is the thing that you can not say? What is the thing you can say? You, you know, cannot when it comes
3: say uh, words like cure, treat, prevent chronic inflammation. Any sort of disease name, or even opioid disorder, you can't even say. You can't call it a supplement. You're you're not even supposed to call it a food. So it's it's a tricky place for for brands to be right now.
0: Yeah, and, and
2: is this changing? Or I mean, I know there's various you know, legislation in place to try to, you know, deal with some of these things. There's some, you know, decisions on like who's going to regulate some of these markets and stuff. What What's your sense on how volatile or, or how dynamic is this issue relative to the industry at this point? I
3: am, I am not optimistic that this is going to be better at any yep. time soon at all. Yeah.
2: So this is going to be an ongoing <laughs> issue. Yep.
3: Uh, brands would be wise to figure it out now because others are going to get in trouble. So, you know, write your messaging in a way that that will not get you in trouble now, because if, if you get caught, you'll have to throw everything out and start over. That sucks. Awesome. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and if you've if you've made uh, you know hundred thousand units or, or packages that have all this copy on yeah. it, you're going to be expensive, or you're going to have to get a lot of lot of labels to to stick over things. Yep, <laughs> and redo it. And then uh, so I know you're also doing some research, yeah. collecting some data. Let, let's talk a little bit about that. I'm fascinated by it. So give us a sense of why, like how this has come about, and then the you know the, the study you've set up, and then where you're at with actually collecting the
0: data.
3: Yep. So I am starting a study called Women in Cannabis. A living history and we are gathering data about women's experiences working in the cannabis industry. So, you know, this came about because, well, I'm a numbers geek too. I love data and statistics. Yeah. I'm not a data scientist. I'm a data storyteller. So, I like it. you know, it came to me that, you know, I kept seeing articles about the declining number of women in, in cannabis and yeah. there's just, there's not enough comprehensive recent data about this topic. And there's all sorts of data in other industries. There's, you know, Lean In has done research. Equality Can't Wait has done research. And we don't have that. We have anecdotes. And in cannabis, we keep hearing anecdotes aren't data. So mm-hmm. I decided, let's go get the data. So I'm working with a, um, a medical sociologist uh, mm-hmm. from academia. So she's a PhD and it's an academically rigorous study. We have, it's 80 questions long, takes about 20 minutes. We've had 75 women complete it so far. We're aiming for a thousand. And then we'll have a secondary portion with qualitative telephone interviews. Mm-hmm. And then at this conference next week at the the Women of Cannabis conference we're going to be filming interviews Wendy Borman from Mary Jane's the Women of Weed uh, is partnering with me and we're going to get video interviews that we're going to put out monthly for the next year talking about women's experiences working yeah. in cannabis.
2: What are um what are some of the questions you're asking I'm curious just like some samples of types of things that you're collecting data on.
3: Yep so we're talking about things like whether women consider themselves successful and how they define space you know whether they use cannabis at work for example whether they feel like they're taken less seriously because they're a, a woman. you know. So one of the interesting ones is we ask about bullying or lack of support from other yeah. women. And so far, 53% have said that they have experienced that. And that's a problem. We need to fix that. You know, We're asking about whether they feel they're treated equitably or whether they feel they need to hide the fact that they work in the cannabis industry.
0: Yeah,
2: so interesting. it's
3: really interesting stuff.
2: Yeah. The, the social impact on this is a fascinating topic. I mean, just, I mean, the one I run into, or I've had, had some interesting conversations around is the whole you know medical versus adult use split and, and how that complicates the process and you know now if I'm a medical user like do I show my card to my employer and how does that impact my employment status or at least the perception of my my perception in my workplace and all this there's significant you know not non-trivial significant uh, implications uh-huh. of you know how this cannabis industry has been set up relative to the social and kind of professional dynamics so I'm very curious to see what you've what you got out of it are your expectations or ambitions to try to compare this to other surveys and in other industries
3: you know, that's a that's a good question. I looked at a lot of different surveys in other industries before I started writing this survey. And, you know, I did take into account some of those topics and you know, the way they worded some of those questions just so that I could have some sort of baseline in my yeah. head of where things are elsewhere. But, you know, I was listening to your podcast from with Kira Reed and you were talking yeah. about something interesting about, you know, we're at the beginning of this new industry. We don't have to do it the way that other industries have done it. Yeah. Those research studies in other industries are aimed to figure out, you know, what are the systemic problems in corporations and how do we come up with policies to fix that? We don't have all those corporations here in cannabis yet. Let's not have it. Let's not do it that way. Let's do it differently. I love that. I love that. So, you know, honestly, I'm not, I'm not the expert on diversity and inclusion. I'm not the expert on women working in cannabis. I'm a researcher and a storyteller. And so my aim is to have this, to tell these stories and then bring in the women who are the experts to help us figure out what to do. How do we fix it? How do we, or not how do we fix it, but how do we create it yeah. so that we don't have to fix it?
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're, we're in the early stages. We have a lot of opportunity to kind of guide the process. So Exactly. And is this ambitions to make this a longitudinal study that you're going to be doing this over time to see trends and, and changes over time?
3: That was the original intent. Yes. Yeah. I wanted to follow up with women, I don't know, once a year, every other year, or perhaps do a male allyship study on the off years. I'm not mm-hmm. certain. Um, but yes, I, I think that if this is successful, then, then we should keep checking to see how things are going yeah. because you know this could serve as the baseline.
2: Yeah, no exactly. I think collect the data while we can so that we have it, you know, later and we can look at and see what the trends are. I always find that the trends oftentimes are are more interesting than the raw data is just sort of seeing where people are going, what are the ups and downs and how do they relate to some of the other questions so I'm, I'm very curious to see what you get. Me too. Yeah. This is great. If people want to find out more about you, about Lady Jane Branding, about the studies, what's the best way to get some of that information?
3: My website is LadyJaneBranding.com and I'm at Lady Jane Branding on Instagram and Facebook and then for the study, the website is WomenInCannabis.Study It's it's a new dot thing. Yeah, it's a new dot. dot. I haven't
2: heard of that dot before. Yeah, it's
3: fun, isn't it? in <laughs> 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 dot study, And so if you go there, you can go straight to the, the survey. You can also sign up to get a sponsor kit because I'll tell you, this is not cheap and I'm self-funding yeah. the study because it's important. But when we go to do the qualitative telephone interviews, you know, I have to pay somebody to yeah. interview and transcribe. And 85% of the women who've signed up, who've taken the survey already raised their hand and said, I want to tell my story. Yeah. And so I need sponsors so that yeah. I can capture all of those stories.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, I'll, I will put the links in the show notes and I Encourage everyone listening to consider consider looking at study, seeing what you can contribute. I think it's a great effort. I think it's it's a really important sort of data to collect, and I, th- I think it's timely. I think we don't collect it now; you know, we'll never be able to collect it. So, I think it's important that we we take the opportunity that we have now to to create that baseline. And, and um, yeah, I think it's going to be really important for the industry and, and, and having that insight. So good. Thanks. I'll put that all in there. Jennifer, that's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time. Great conversation, really insightful and, and always fun. So I appreciate having the uh, uh, time in your schedule to,
3: to speak with us today. Well, thank you. And I appreciate the, the time and thanks for being an ally. We appreciate it.
1: You've been listening to thinking outside the bud with business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. to find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter.
2: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.